Welcome to another episode of Chan with a Plan, the podcast, a podcast providing career advice in easy, actionable steps for frustrated professionals, helping you overcome career challenges so you can stop feeling confused and defeated and start feeling focused and confident in order to excel in your career. And I'm your host, Max Chan. If you are a professional looking for some guidance to get you to the next level, then come join my private Facebook group, Career Advice with Chan with a Plan. In this group, I post content focused on giving you the proper career guidance to help elevate your career and take it to new heights. I will leave a link in the show notes for you to join. When you get a new job, a new opportunity, you are excited for the potential that this can help you grow and accelerate your career. However, when it comes to going to a new job, you might feel a lot of overwhelm. And when you get overloaded with trying to learn new things all at once, that tends to lead to procrastination. On the other side of the spectrum, new employees tend to want to impress their manager and impress the team and try to make everything perfect, which slows down their productivity and again could also lead to procrastination. However, it doesn't have to be this way. And that's why I have invited Talia Dasho, who coaches people on ending procrastination and are using creativity as a means to grow. She has been coaching since 2001, using creativity to help people learn, heal, and love themselves. Now let's get into my discussion with Talia on how to overcome overwhelm and procrastination as a new employee to reduce your stress levels and increase your productivity and accelerate your career in your new job. Hey, Talia, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me on. How's uh, February treating you so far? So far, so good. Nice. Again, I appreciate you taking the time to come on my podcast to help my listeners who are currently struggling with uh, various uh, challenges in their career. And the one thing that I want to touch upon is we're, we're at the start of 2022 and a lot of people are leaving their current jobs for new opportunities. And the common thing that they have a challenge with is the overwhelm of starting a new a position in a new company that they're not familiar with. And when they go to a new company where they don't know or are not familiar with the industry or product that they're trying to work on, it tends to lead to two things, right? Which you'll elaborate more on in a little bit. Feeling overwhelmed, trying to learn all these new things and trying to leave a good impression for the boss which tends to sometimes go to the perfectionism side, which is they want to do everything right the first time because they're worried that they might be falling behind and their manager might not think too highly of them Mm -hmm. compared to when they first hired them. So with that being said, you are the considered the expert of procrastination. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and helping people overcome procrastination? Sure. Yeah. I've been coaching since 2001. I have really been focusing on procrastination a lot over the last few years because I see it as such a a common issue across so many different places. And there's so much emotional baggage that's tied up with procrastination. And I've been a procrastinator all my life. I remember when I was in college, I would put off cleaning my apartment until something worse came along, like studying for finals. So when I had to study for finals, I finally had a clean apartment. Luckily, I've gotten to be a better house cleaner since then. But it, the, point, the point is that procrastination is something that is just a, a really common issue. 
And I, it's something that I've had to learn some tools to be able to deal with. And now I get to teach other people those tools to help them deal with the procrastination, which is really, really rewarding. So yeah, I see procrastination, the sort of three major areas of procrastination that like I've identified from what the coaching that I've done. And those are perfectionism, resistance, and overwhelm. And I agree that overwhelm is a huge issue when you're starting a new job because there is so much to learn. Your bosses know that, right? They, they've hired a human being and not a machine. And so human beings have limitations to how much their brains can absorb at any given time. Any manager worth their salt will know that, I mean, if they wanted a machine to process all the information, they would have done that. What they want is you and your brain. So you can only absorb things at the rate you can. It's one of the things that I repeat to my clients all the time is forgive yourself for being human, <laughs> right? Like there's nothing you can do to change the fact that you have a human brain <laughs> and it's okay. It's okay. And the same is around perfectionism. Again, you got hired because you're you and not because they wanted a machine to do it exactly the same way every single time. And I also have some other tools to, that I work with, help people with when I, we're working on perfectionism and overwhelm. There's some other, there's some games that we play and some other thought things we can try. Just to add to that point, right? Experienced managers know that when you first start off in a role, you're not supposed to know everything right off the bat. I think research has shown that it takes about six months for someone to be well-versed in their role and be more familiar in the role and, and be very productive. So they know that there's this window that you have to actually like learn stuff and improve and be more knowledgeable in your role and in the industry that you're in. So again, you're not supposed to know everything right off the bat. And like you said, if they wanted someone to know something right off the bat, they would get a robot, right? So they, they're, they hired you for your attitude and your mindset and some skills as well, but they know that it takes time for you to be familiar with the role in order to be more confident and be more productive. That's why it's so expensive to have turnover because it takes such a long time for people to get back up to speed from where the person was who left. It's why companies are really, really want to make their employees happy <laughs> so that they'll stay. Absolutely. So as someone who's new, so let's say you or myself, we got a new job and let's say the manager gives you the, the welcome uh, meeting and then they give you a whole bunch of lists of things to do and learn. Obviously, you'll feel overwhelmed because it's a, a new job. So how would you uh, deal with this uh, overwhelm? First, I would say overwhelm all by itself is a lot to handle. And so heaping shame and blame on top of that is just going to make it harder to carry all of it. So it's enough to be dealing with the, the feelings of overwhelm without having to feel guilty for not doing it better or ashamed because you don't have more knowledge in this area already. Take all of that off. You don't need to carry all of that stuff. <laughs> just focus on what's in front of you. It's just going to be so much lighter and easier to carry. And then I'd say the thing that helps me when I'm feeling frozen in fear with there's so much to do and I don't know where to start is what is the smallest step I can take to move forward? Because even moving forward an inch is better than staying exactly still where I am right now. And one of the things that I've learned over the years of coaching is the power of a one degree shift. You know, it doesn't seem like you're moving a huge amount to make a one degree shift, but if you make a one degree shift and you maintain it over time, you get to an entirely different place than you would have been. 
if you're a ship going across an ocean and you're one degree off from where you intend to be, you're going to land on the other side of the ocean in a different country. (laughs) So there's a lot of power in doing the small things. So just the smallest step to keep me moving forward. Yeah, so after that, I heard this story about this guy who wanted to like lose weight and wanted to go to the gym, right? And at first, he didn't like do any workouts. He would literally go to the gym for five minutes, get dressed, and then walk out. And he would do that. Like People might think that's a waste of time, but it's about building that habit of showing up. And then you start adding more time to it. Because what generally happens is, like, for, new, for example, New Year's resolutions, they want to like, go to the gym that, that they've never done before. And they will try to go like three or four times a week. So they're going from zero to 100 really quick, right? But sometimes you have to take those small steps. So your brain becomes ingrained about this habit that you're trying to build, right? Right. 90 degree shifts don't work for me. Like trying to make a new habit in a new year that I've never done before terrifies me because suddenly I'm going to be a different person than I am. I won't recognize myself, but I can do a one degree shift. I can make one change. I can park on the far side of the parking lot and walk across the parking lot. And then I can, you know what I mean? Like the small steps add up. They make a difference. Which goes back to the, the other issue. People want that instant gratification. They don't feel like they're doing a lot. So they don't really want to do it, right? But it's about taking small actions over time to get that big result. So what is some advice that you can give to people that feel like it's a waste of time to do that small step uh, over and over again? That's kind of what life is, is a lot of small steps repeated over and over again. What you do on a regular basis is what you do. <laughs> <laughs> and so if even if it, you're making a really small change or re- taking a really small step, it's not nothing. Nothing would keep you exactly where you are right now. And this apparently is not what you want. You're trying to make a change. You're trying to go for something bigger. But I've seen over and over and over again that people, when there's too much to try to cope with, they don't do anything at all. I had a coaching client I was, <laughs> we, we had a whole long list of things she could do after one session. And I'm like, okay, what's the one thing you're going to focus on? And she was like, okay, I'm going to pick this one thing to focus on. And even that was too big. And at the end, when we got back to the met the next week, she was like, I didn't do anything. I'm like, okay. There was a lot to try to focus on there. There was a lot of information that we covered. What you did this week was integrated. You didn't act on it. But you spend some time sitting with the fact that you now have all of these steps that you can take. And now let's pick the next smallest step for you to be able to take to go forward. Sometimes you need a little time to catch up (laughs) when you start making some changes or coming up with new ideas. And that's okay. It's how we're wired. Like the one thing about feeling overwhelmed is that it looks too hard. So if there's like a 20 list of things to do it's going to feel too overwhelming and they don't want to do it. But if it's like one small thing at a time and you have like a coach like yourself to give that accountability, it's going to make it a bit easier to like move forward and grow professionally and personally, right? One of the tricks that I use actually when I have a list of things that's really, really long and I feel overwhelmed just looking at my to-do list, I will pick the top three things that I most want to get done that day and put them on their own list and then hide the, full, the long list. And now, suddenly I don't have a list of 20 things to do. I have a list of three things to do. And that feels so much more manageable. And then if and when I get those done, I can go back and look at the longer list and see what else there is to do. But at least I've gotten the top three done rather than getting nothing done. Makes sense. And I didn't talk about this at the beginning, but you were brought up that resistance is also a form of procrastination. So what type of resistance would a new employee experience in, in their first, let's say, 30 to 60 days at the company? 
My experience is that resistance is usually tied to uncomfortable feelings. So it would be tied to, I should know how to do this and I don't. I feel bad about myself. I'm ashamed. I don't want to ask for clarification or for help because I feel like I ought to know this already. So I'm going to try to push through, but I don't know what I'm doing and that makes me uncomfortable. So I'm not going to start. (laughs) You know, there's usually like big emotional bugbears in there when you have the, the resistance. It's like why people don't want to work on their taxes. It makes people face, I'm not good at keeping track of my receipts and I should be better and I'm I'm no good because of that. And I should be earning more money than I am and I'm not and I feel bad about that. And I should be, you know, there's all these shoulds and stories that are going on in our heads about what we wish were different and how we feel like we're not measuring up. And who wants to spend a few hours sitting in that space? That's no fun. <laughs> so of course we put it off. Yeah, going to the taxes thing. Like I outsource my taxes for this year coming up because I, I I'm not gonna do it. It's, it's just way too much now <laughs> as I grow the business, right? So, but obviously as an employee, you can't outsource stuff. And also going back to what you said, new employees might feel embarrassed of asking quote unquote stupid questions to their manager. So how do you try to get that notion out of your head? Because the, at the end of the day, that manager does want to help you succeed because you're part of the team, right? So what are some strategies or mindset shifts that you recommend for a new employee when it comes to asking questions to their manager? There's something that I find helps with all of these forms of procrastination. And that is to look at when you have uncomfortable feelings, did a disaster actually happen? Because honestly, the uncomfortable feelings are evolutionarily based. There is a survival level fear in all of us of being kicked out of the tribe and being left to starve alone and cold and mauled by bears. It is really bone deep in us. So there's nothing wrong with you for feeling afraid to not measure up and not be what your boss wants. This is an evolutionary trait. The thing is, people don't usually get kicked out of their tribe. People don't usually end up mauled by bears, you know, not just because there aren't very many bears left, but also it just, it doesn't, we don't, it doesn't happen, but we have this really deep fear that it's going to happen. So I highly recommend that people notice when you're having that like really gut-wrenching feeling in your pit of your stomach, like, is there actually a disaster that's happening? Is anybody dying? Is anybody being fired? Is any being yelled at? Is anybody, or is, are you just afraid of that? I'm not saying that it's comfortable to sit with it, but knowing that it's just the uncomfortable feeling without the associated disaster that we're afraid of can make it easier to withstand it. Oh yeah, I've felt that before. Nothing bad happened. I can live through live it, feeling it again. So if you're feeling embarrassed to ask your manager a question, notice that discomfort and that the last time you asked your manager a question, your manager didn't kick you out of the building. (laughs) It didn't take away your key card. You know, they expect questions in the beginning and they want to help and they want to get you up to speed and they want you to ask the questions and clarify everything so that you'll be more effective at your job. So just taking a breath and noticing that there's this discomfort, but it does not mean that the fear is necessarily going to follow, that the thing you're afraid of will follow. And it makes it easier to take that uncomfortable step or to sit in that uncomfortable feeling and do what you need to do there. Yeah, a couple of things to add to that, right? Like it's about referencing past experiences. As you said, the last time you asked a question to your manager, what was the reaction? 
and obviously if they didn't kick it out the building then it, they're not, it's not gonna happen that, that this time right and then the other thing is like the worst case scenario doesn't happen what i mean by that is like you're, you're not gonna get you're not gonna die you're not gonna get fired and if you do get fired for asking a question you shouldn't want to work there anyway because that's definitely a toxic culture right so with all, with all that being said, asking questions shows that you're interested and passionate about getting better. If you think about it that way, right? Like people don't like when you do a presentation and no, and they're not asking you questions, it either means that they know everything or they're not interested. Right. So by asking good questions, you're actually showing to the manager that you care and want to get better. Right. Yeah. And even if you feel like the question is a really entry level question, it's better to get the entry level questions taken care of in the beginning so that you have a solid foundation to build on. It's it's no good to pretend you know something that you don't know and then be expected to do it later. <laughs> and then you don't know what you're doing. But if you can get it clarified right up front, then you know, and it's not you're going to be able to be more successful in the role. Absolutely. The last thing about procrastination is perfectionism. So I, I touched upon this earlier in our conversation, how new employees want to leave a good impression with their manager like wanting to prove themselves that they were the right person for a job. So they tend to want to do a perfect job, whether it's like making a presentation report or what, what have you. But sometimes perfectionism will actually slow you down because you're spending so much time on trying to fix things that at the grand scheme of things don't really matter. So how does one like overcome that perfectionism and focus more on output than perfection? I have two thoughts about that. One is the saying, done is better than perfect. It's a good thing to keep in mind that at some point, continuing to try to make it better, it has diminish, diminishing returns and it's better to have to finish it, even if there's a typo in it somewhere than it is to try to make it perfect and then not get it out when it needs to be done. So done is better than perfect. Another part of that is I run a group called Creativity Club. I've seen people come through and be creative on a regular basis, it really helps people with their procrastination issues and their perfectionism issues. Because being creative is all about the what if, how could I, let me try this and see what happens. I'm going to do this thing and see if I like it and see if other people like it. And then I know I can pivot if it turns out to be not what I really wanted it to be. But let me just try it and see what happens kind of energy. And that is the opposite of the it has to be perfect before I start kind of energy. It really helps people break out of that perfectionism to be able to just be creative. Whatever it is that you enjoy doing creatively, it could be coming and playing word games with me at Creativity Club, but it could be making something new for dinner or finding a new way to drive home after work. But whatever it is, it helps break out of that, I have to be perfect before I even begin kind of feeling. And it helps move into sort of more of a process and a being in it and trying it and then seeing how it's received, which is really how we kind of have to do life. <laughs> Try it and see what happens. And perfectionism is subjective, right? Because your definition of perfect might not be, well, would be different than what's perfect to a manager, right? So your uh, good enough might be perfect for them if you think about it that way. 
I, I think we are our worst critic in terms of like what's actually good work and what's not. As I think as long as you follow your manager's instructions and you do it to the your best of your ability, you shouldn't focus so much on like how they're going to like it because they can always give you feedback to improve certain things. And that's the other big thing, right? Because if you don't get the feedback you want, like you're going to spend so much time like trying to perfect something that might not even need perfection because you haven't gotten the feedback from the manager yet, right? You don't know necessarily how public facing this thing is going to be or how many other people are going to handle it before it gets seen, right? There's so many different pieces of it. Maybe all your manager wants is a really rough draft and then they'll take it from there. You know, so like getting clarity on how much you need to focus on getting it really, really, really good versus just getting it done is, is good to know up front. Yeah, and and there's some uh, stories uh, that I've heard where these employees would like work so hard in presentations that never actually get presented, or it's part of like a larger presentation and they only have like a minute to go over, right? So it's one of those things like like you said, done is better than perfect. Output is better than analysis, so to speak, right? Yeah, you know, part of a, being a new employee is that your manager has a new employee. Also, like you're both in this new relationship. The manager knows the job more. But dance between the two of you is new and is still getting settled. So actually, like you said before, like asking questions shows that you are engaged and you want to do better. It also can help put your manager at ease to know that you are doing everything in your power to be able to synthesize all this information and make it as good as you can. Asking for how polished does this need to be before I hand it off? is part of that sort of learning the ropes what of this position. And, and it would make me feel better about a report if somebody said to me, you know, how polished do you want it to be? Is this just a, an internal thing? Is this going to be seen by clients? Like what is, what level of presentation polish do you want on this? Yeah, it always goes back to the, the common theme when it comes to like good work culture or having a good relationship with your manager is communication because a lot of like conflict comes from a breakdown in communication at some point in the process. So when it comes to perfectionism in your work, maybe just keeping your manager up to date on what's going on, you might not have to go over the top because it's maybe just an internal thing that you're just presenting to their director as maybe that doesn't go all the way up to the VP or whatever. Right. So it may be just some rough draft that they want to review first. So I think like you will save a lot of headache and time if you just communicate with your manager in terms of what they're actually looking for and then get that feedback. So you know what to focus on and what not to focus on. Yeah. About the conflict in communication. I find that a lot of the problems are happen when two people have assumptions that they don't realize are assumptions. It's hard for us to sometimes see the water that we're swimming through or the air that we're breathing because it's just everywhere. It's in our heads. We assume it's true. and We don't even realize we're making an assumption until it runs up against somebody else's assumption, which is different. So if you're the kind of person who really wants to make small talk before you start a meeting so that you get to know the other person and it feels really important to develop this relationship with the other people, then you're going to think the person who comes in and just starts right in on business is really pretty rude. But if you're the kind of person who thinks that we are all so busy and we have 
small talk is a waste of time and let's just get in there and get this thing done and get out again. And that's the most respectful way to be in a meeting. And this person just keeps talking about kids and dogs and, oh my God, why was, why won't they shut up? Just let's get, this person is being so rude, right? And you're both trying to be respectful and you both want the best and you're both go in there with the best intentions and you both look at each other and think the other person's at fault for because you have these assumptions that are running up against somebody else's assumptions. So sometimes conflict can be a good thing because it can help you stop and say, oh, there's something here that we're not seeing the same. What is it? <laughs> what is this thing that we're not like we're, that we don't think the same way about and and how do we even define it and figure out what's going on absolutely so you we touched you you touched upon this earlier in a conversation that you have some exercises or some games to help people overcome procrastination overcome uh, overwhelm resistance and uh, perfectionism so why don't you touch upon maybe a couple uh, just to get my listeners started on overcoming procrastination as that may be one of the factors that is hindering their career progress? I find that creativity games are a great way to try something new and be playful about it and not have to do it perfectly. And in fact, you can't do it wrong because it's never been done before and there isn't a, a right or wrong answer. It's just a creativity game. So it helps a lot of people to become a little more flexible and a little more resilient and a little less anxious about getting things perfect right from the start. So one game that I really like to play in Creativity Club, and it's pretty easy for people to play on their own as well, is what I call a four-letter word sentence. So we take a four-letter word, not those four-letter words, a regular four-letter word, and a, write a four-word sentence with each word starting with one of the letters. So if the word is time, then your sentence could be, this is my example, because the this starts with T, is starts with I, my starts with M, example starts with E. So we will, as a group, or you can individually, pick a four-letter word, I don't know, hope or something, and then come up with a four-letter, a four-word sentence with those, using those letters. So hippopotami open purple eggplants, or uh, <laughs> Hawaii often plays existentially. I don't know. I'm coming up with this off the top of my head. But it's a chance for, you know, you can sit, if you need to just take a break at your desk for just a minute and reset yourself, it doesn't take very long, but it can start getting you into a more playful kind of mindset rather than a perfectionist kind of mindset. And that really helps change the energy that you've got going into a project. And it can be really fun doing it in a group because other people think of things you would never, ever in a million years think of, <laughs> which is really, really fun to see kind of the breadth of creativity that that people have. And it also, there will be times that you might look at yours and say, mine was a terrible sentence. It didn't have a verb. It's not a full, it's not a complete sentence. I did this terribly. And someone else will say, wow, the imagery in your sentence is so cool. I like it so much. And it's nice to get that other feedback as well, that we can be so hard on ourselves when what we're doing is actually really great to everybody else. So that's one reason I like doing it in a group, but you don't have to, you can just do it on your own as long as you are channeling that playful energy. 
so we always talk about like building habits to like improve yourself, right? So how often should you like do these exercises so you can be, as you say, in the better like mindset, positive mindset? I think it's probably different for different people. I was listening to the IDEO podcast about uh, creative collaborations or creative con- you know, creative confidence. That was what it was. And uh, there was somebody who was talking about doing impactful presentations and doing improv warm-ups before you give a presentation. I think this would be an awesome thing to do before you go to work every day, just to... Um, sort of get yourself into a more playful kind of state of being. But if you don't do it every day, it's not the kind of thing you should beat yourself up for, right? I don't want to say this is something you should do every day and then have someone say, but I only did it twice this week and therefore I'm terrible and I should... No, that's not the point of any of this. The point is to tiny little steps, build ourselves up to be better than we were before with no shame, no blame, no shoulds involved, just... Try it. See what happens. If you like it, see if it's uh, if it's fun. So you know, doing like big lion, little tiny mouse, big lion, little tiny mouse kind of thing can play with your energy and make you feel more playful. And do you know, just shake you up out of that. I have to be perfect before I go on. Kind of kind of feel. Whenever you manage it, you know, it's a good tool to have in your toolbox. Absolutely, and. So you said that you were a big procrastinator, right? From earlier in our discussion. So like, when did you realize that procrastination for you was a problem? And what did you do to overcome it to like be more, let's say, present and get more things done compared to before where you were shoving things aside and not doing things that you were supposed to at that time? I, I did a lot of reading about procrastination and what other people recommended to do about it. And most of the answers that I got were not helpful for me. I would see things like take a large project and break it down into smaller pieces. Now, great. Now I have a lot of small pieces that I'm not doing. (laughs) Or it would be do the worst things thing first and then you get it out of the way. I'm like, great. I didn't do the worst thing and now I've done nothing all day. (laughs) So there were a lot of like, I'm sure they help sometimes or for some people, but they were not helpful for me. And what I realized was that none of these other recommendations were really taking into account the emotional landscape and that I had all these fears and all these big feelings that I didn't want to face and all these stories in my head about what I should be doing or shouldn't be feeling or whatever it was. And it wasn't until I really got into feeling those feelings and looking at the stories and figuring out what was true and coming up with new frameworks to see my life in that it had more compassion and curiosity rather than shame and blame. And that was really what started loosening up some of these places where I was just really resisting. You know, making space around the feelings like I was talking about earlier to be able to see that the the outcome that I was afraid of didn't actually happen was a really big help for me. It, it made it much more possible for me to sit there with the strong feelings, knowing that they weren't inevitably going to lead to my death. <laughs> that it would, there was actually, it was okay to feel uncomfortable for a little while, that it, and then it would pass and everything would be fine. Another tool that I use a lot myself, and I also recommend to clients all the time, has really been helpful for me, is to talk to those voices in my head that are telling me that I'm no good and I can't do it and I shouldn't even try. 
I call these voices the gremlins. I've actually named my major gremlin voice, and I, I highly recommend that people name their gremlins because it gives you a chance to differentiate this gremlin voice from your guidance voice. I'll give you a hint. If it's guidance, it's going to be nice. It's going to be kind. If it's being mean, <laughs> it's not your voice of guidance. It's your gremlins. I'll give you, I'll give you an example. I was developing a, a coaching course, and I was, it was like, let me try this out with just a couple of friends and make sure that this content is valuable to them and that I have the, the whole structure holds together. I had done three of the six and I was like, I'm doing great. This is really good. I'm really so happy I'm doing this. The fourth one, I bombed. <laughs> it was terrible. I left the fourth session feeling that horrible twisting feeling in my stomach going I should why did I even try this I should never have started coaching I'm no good at this I'm just gonna give up I thought oh that's Cruella DeVille that's my gremlin talking I recognize Cruella DeVille's voice <laughs> I'm gonna sit down and listen and see what she's trying to tell me because this what she's saying right now is not really helpful but I bet there's something important that she has to say because the truth is the gremlins are there to protect us. Going in and asking them, what are you protecting me from, is, can be helpful. And so I was like, okay, Corella, I hear that you're really loud right now. What's up? Oh my gosh, you, that was terrible. Yeah, it kind of was. I agree. So um, what should I have done? Oh, you, you asked all the wrong questions. Well, what should I have asked? Oh, you should have asked this and this and this. I'm like, great, let me take some notes. And I'm writing down all these questions that I, I'm coming up with. Like my gremlin is, is telling me I should have done, but I didn't do. And I'm writing them all down and I'm like, okay, what else? Oh, you described this thing badly. I think I did. That's true. What could I have done differently? I don't know, but not that. All right, I'm making a note that I should come up with a new way of describing that. We'll have to figure it out. What else? And finally, Cruella is like, no, I think that's it. And she was so happy that I was taking notes and taking her seriously. And I said, thank you for bringing these things to my attention. I really appreciate you looking out for me. Now I know how to make it better. And isn't it a good thing that this was just a trial and not prime time? And, and she was like, oh, yeah, yeah, it kind of, yeah, I agree. It's a good thing all right, bye, I'm going to go off to play. And she was gone. And that was it. Like all of that horrible feeling in my stomach was gone because I sat down and talked to my, my gremlin voice. You know, sometimes this is the kind of thing that it's helpful to have somebody else do with you. Sometimes people do it written, like writing down one your voice and the gremlin voice on paper. Um, I've done this where I set up two chairs facing each other and I and me in this chair, and I'm the gremlin in the other chair, and I go back and forth, and I, <laughs> you know, have a dialogue that way. There's all kinds of ways you can do it, but it is such a helpful exercise. And the gremlins so want to protect you. If you're not listening to them, they're just getting louder because they really want to protect you. So just having a chance to say thank you for watching out for me. I really appreciate this. Uh, now I know what to look for. They get a lot quieter makes it a lot easier to move forward. Thanks for sharing that story. And I want to end this uh, conversation with one last question. So as you are aware, my podcast is about 
helping professionals overcome common career challenges. So with that being said, out of all the clients that you've worked with uh, from a procrastination standpoint, what was the common reason for the procrastination and what were the steps that you helped them utilize to overcome that procrastination to become better professionals? That's not a small question. (laughs) I think the thing that I hear a lot is I know what I should be doing. I just need to make myself do it. Underneath, the reason why people are not doing it is almost always some kind of big, uncomfortable feeling. Fear or wanting to be liked or guilt or shame or something that you just don't want to sit with. But it's not always that. Sometimes it's an old pattern left over from childhood that's getting in the way. Or, you know, it can be really individual. There's some things that are fairly universal and there's some things that are just really unique to each person. So, you know, we start kind of diving in. What is it that your gremlins are trying to say? What is the fear? What are you afraid is going to happen? Has it that fear come to pass in the past? Is this a legitimate fear? What are the stories that you're telling yourself? What are the shoulds that you're hearing in, in your head? Sometimes it's helpful to just have people's language reflected back to them. I had one client who was talking about, I really want to make time for my own creative writing. It's really, really important to me. But then he, they started using the language like indulging in doing my own creative work. I'm like, are you aware that you're using the word indulging in this thing that you say is so very important to you? Like just having somebody reflect that, they had no idea that that was the, the internal belief that they had until they heard that language come back to them. And then I'm like, oh, well, I might want to change that mindset. (laughs) This is indulgent. If this is something that I really care about and want to have make part of my, my weekly routine. So yeah, I'm not sure I could say there's one thing that I do with all my clients, but there are some of these are, are common. Like I've, I've shared a, a number of the things, kinds of things that I do with my clients to help them figure out how to just stop doing this thing that feels so bad because of the other things that feel worse. <laughs> they tend to feel a lot better afterwards. Yeah, like, like you just said, like procrastination could be just an uncomfortable feeling and they don't know what to do with the uncomfortable feeling to mitigate it. So they end up not doing anything at all, right? And speaking of things to do, again, appreciate you taking the time to chat with us on procrastination. So how can people contact you for you to help them overcome their procrastination? I'm so glad you asked. I am putting on a workshop coming up on this weekend, the 19th of March, how to stop procrastinating for ways to overcome the three major obstacles to productivity. Revisiting some of what I talked about today and giving some other stuff as well. If you visit my webpage, it's subscribepage.com slash Talia. There is a place you can get on my mailing list and find out about future classes and also about my creativity club, which is free and drop in. And I would love to have you all come and play with me. This would be really fun. Thursday afternoons, four to five Pacific. And yeah, there's a link to be able to schedule some time to talk to me one-on-one and see if we'd be a good fit for coaching as well. All right. I appreciate the time again, Talia. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me on. Thank you again to Talia for coming on my show to discuss her strategies on how you can overcome procrastination as a new employee so you can stay focused and become more productive, making you an integral part of the team. 
Now, if you want to hear my own thoughts based on the main topic discussed in this week's episode, then make sure to check out ChanCap this coming Friday, available on all popular podcast platforms. And as always, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. Again, if you are a professional looking to take your career to the next level, then come join my private Facebook group, Career Advice with Chan with a Plan. Inside this group, I post content giving you career guidance to help take your career to new heights. I will leave a link in the show notes for you to join. This is Chan with a Plan, the podcast. I'm your host, Max Chan, and I thank you for listening.